Hi, I'm Caroline Stocks with Portree Health Today and with me is Professor Oscar Fletcher from North Carolina State University. Now, Professor Fletcher, over the past 50 years you've had a pretty impressive career. Um, two decades at the University of Georgia, then 15 years uh, away from academia and then another 15 years at North Carolina State. Why did you leave teaching and what brought you back? I went uh, from the University of Georgia to be the dean at Iowa State University and I was dean there for about three years and then I left that job to become dean at North Carolina State University and so I had that job for 12 years. Now you gave one of the keynote um, speeches at this year's American Association of uh, Avian Pathologists meeting and in it you compared the differences between your um, first 15 years in, the, in uh, academia and the second period of academia so to speak. Now you might expect that over that period there are a lot of differences but you actually talked about a lot of the similarities. Uh, yeah, one, you know, it's a unique perspective when you've worked for 21 years and then you've got a break and a substantial break in time and you come back and you kind of wonder, well, what's different and what's the same? And, and so right away the thing I knew was that avian tissue responds to injury in certain ways and that hasn't changed. The other thing is that many of, in fact, most of the diseases that I saw in my then period, if you will, I still saw in the now period. So the diseases themselves hadn't changed. Now sometimes the responses of the bird to the agent changed. But in, and in some cases there were really new diseases. Uh, wooden breast is an example of one. Uh, real viral tenosynovitis is an example where the agent was the same, the bird maybe mod modified a little bit, maybe the viral agent modified to some extent, but what the clinical presentation and the histopathology of that was very different in the now period than it was in the then period. But the, the fundamentals that I was involved in in teaching avian pathology to students was those basic responses are still constant, so I didn't have to change or modify that. So I could still focus on uh, helping students learn to recognize what are those changes, how do you inventory them, and what's in the tissue that's not bird particularly. If it is bird and it's abnormal, then why is it abnormal? Is it in the wrong place? Is it too much of it? But in most cases, we're looking for things that are not bird. Generally, I'm referring to things like bacteria, fungi, protozoa, other, other, uh, other parasites, viral inclusion bodies, you know, fung fungi, things that are clearly not bird and in many cases diagnostic. And so my basic approach to teaching was to simplify it to make it less focused on recognizing specific diseases up front and get focused on how do you recognize what's a bird telling you? What's, what's the response to injury? And once you can do that, then you can begin to figure out what might be causing those responses. So that's my perspective on you know, what was then and what was now. Infectious bursal disease was another one that you, you identified as a key disease. How has that changed? Well, in, in infectious bursal disease, there, there are different variants of the virus, if you will. 
uh, and in some cases different now than they were then, even though it's bursal disease, it's modified somewhat. The complication about the then period was we didn't know about chicken infectious anemia during much of that time. Um, and I don't know what the impact of chicken infectious anemia was on changing or modifying the lesions that we thought were due to infectious bursal disease. Because I think my impression is, is that we had more hemorrhages associated with infectious bursal disease then than we do now. But the, but the underlying uh, impact of infectious bursal disease is to cause immunosuppression because it kills cells in the bursa fibricious. And so we don't have um, bursa-dependent lymphocytes that are capable of making antibody. And so it's, it's still a significant immunosuppressive disease. And we still, I mean, the classic lesions of necrosis beginning in a few follicles and spreading through the rest of the bursa is still a feature of the disease today. So that's a way in which the avian tissue has continued to respond to injury in the same way. Now, there's been some major advances in, um, in technology over, over recent years, which have really helped with um, tracking disease. How do you think that data has really revolutionized the, the poultry industry? We have much better tools now to handle large amounts of data and, uh, and, and to preserve it in ways that we didn't have in the, in the early period of my career. There's tools available to manage massive amounts of data and companies are getting better and better. In fact, they've used it for quite a while to manage you know, you know, production parameters and, and a variety of things down to, the, to, to a few fractions of a cent even. And I think we're catching up to that a little bit in, uh, in disease and, and in uh, uh, our diagnostic efforts. A lot of the tools now are connected directly to databases and the information flows seamlessly without having to be double-entered. The concept of using a test and you could, you could collect that data very easily and then you can, you can generate graphs and, 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 and data, you can generate visual information that you can use to convince your CEO, if you will, or your flock manager or whoever you're working for here's the importance of using this vaccine because we can, we can do some controlled experiments and trials and, and work those things out. Is there anything over that time that you've been disappointed to see that either hasn't been achieved or is still going on? Well, <laughs> I, I had the, the, it was a bit of a surprise to me that it was so easy to come back after that 15 year gap because the diseases I was familiar with in the then period were still the diseases that we were dealing with in the now period. So in some cases we've been able to control them, uh, like Marix for example, we were able to control the production of tumors or development of tumors, but not the uh, infection and shedding of the virus. And so the virus we believe is having a significant negative immunosuppressive effect in birds but that's not as readily visible to us as a tumor. And, and so we're, we're, we need to focus on, well, what, we haven't solved that problem yet. If you look at something like coccidiosis, coccidiosis is still a major problem. It was a problem then, it's a problem now. I mean, those little critters know how to adapt to whatever we're doing. So it, it's, we, we haven't made much of an impact there. And one surprise, 
with re relative to protozoal parasites is histamoniasis. Because in the then period, I would have told you that I would expect to see that in turkeys, but I would not expect to see it in broiler breeders. But now, of the cases I see, I see far more in broiler breeders than I get from turkeys. And so that's a disease which has been around a long time, but we still don't have effective means to, to control or manage it. So that's a disappointment. This is not as much a disappointment as a concern, and, uh, and, and the concern is, is do, it's just a question. I don't know that we have enough data to answer the question, but the question is, is do we have enough scientific person power to deal with the issues that the poultry industry faces? I would make an argument that we don't, and even though I'm in a place that's engaged in producing some of those people, and I think we have an effective program to do that, but I still have concerns that we don't have as many uh, scientists working worldwide to solve some of these problems as we used to. And histamoniasis would be a good example of that because there's, there's not as many people working on the parasites of poultry as there were when I was in my then period. So how do we overcome that? How do we get more people coming back to the industry? Well, it's, well, good question. I don't know. Uh, I, know, I know some things that we're doing, and, and what we're doing in, in, in our institution is looking at attracting students that have been pre-veterinary students at an undergraduate level and have done that work in poultry science. So they already come to us with an interest in poultry. And we're, we're, we're working hard to keep them interested in that. We have a poultry club, for instance, for students with about 30, 35 students in it. We'll never have 35 graduates out of 100, a class of 100 go into poultry, but generally every year we'll have one or two. And so we have to keep doing that. And uh, the opportunities are out there, so we just have to make students aware of that. I mean, here's a good place for you to be that you might not have thought about, even though you might have been in poultry science as an undergraduate. You might have done that just because you thought that was the best way for you to get admitted to vet school. But now we can, get, we can show you, hey, here would be an exciting career for you.